everyone, welcome to the Raising Dakota podcast with me, your host, Courtney. And if you're a special needs parent, you're in the right place. So I hope you can sit back, relax, feel inspired, and always, always remember you're so much stronger than you could ever imagine. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Raising Dakota podcast. I hope that you were able to check out and enjoyed last week's episode. This week, I am going to start going into our life after NICU, but I wanted to start by sharing some of the resources and information we received prior to leaving the NICU that helped us prepare once we were home with Dakota and to be able to care for him to the best of our ability. It was information a social worker had given us. That's why I say it's so important to make sure you are in touch and in contact with social workers and care managers They have so many resources and so much helpful information that they want to share with you that make sure you're taking advantage of it. We see several departments within the same hospital and we have at some point or we still do work with social workers for multiple departments and we don't see them for every department because we go to the same hospital so they can see we're already in touch with a social worker but Dakota's primary care is set up through our hospital and so every six months when Dakota goes to the doctor we also meet with a social worker and they're just a helpful resource to make sure we're doing okay and to see if we need anything and having that mindset in the NICU knowing that that's what their job is and what they're there to do has helped me have that mindset going forward so if I did have questions or if I needed information I knew I could reach out to them and that was just extremely helpful to know that because I did work with social workers in so many different departments for various reasons but for our NICU stay when we met with the social worker she just provided me with information she knew I was going to need once we left the hospital because everything I'm going to share is about the state of Kentucky because that's where we live and every state is completely different. So I'm hoping just by providing this information, it can help another parent look into the resources they have available or get in contact with someone to help them find resources because I know every single state is different. I know there are things at a federal level, but most of the stuff that I'm going to be talking about is state-driven and every state is different. And so I can't speak on other states just based on our own personal experience. Some of the information she shared with me included waivers, daycares, uh, therapy, pediatricians, how we would get medical supplies, and various things. But I want to break each one of those down. But that was the overall gist of our conversation during that meeting, was just giving me all of the resources that we would need once we left the hospital and things I would have to get set up. She gave me organizations and contact information for all of these different companies to be able to get everything set up. So that way, the day we left the hospital, I would have all the resources that I needed to be able to set up the different things for Dakota. And it was so helpful. She provided me with so much information. It really set me up in a good way once we left the hospital and we were home because a lot of the stuff I didn't know about, for example, medical waivers, I had no clue what a medical waiver was. And I was kind of stressed of how we were going to be able to afford everything for Dakota once we left the hospital because I knew it was going to be so expensive and I already knew we were not eligible for SSI or disability because we were over income. So trying to make sure we can provide everything to Dakota is just scary 
having that stress, but knowing that there are options and resources out there is very helpful. So for a medical waiver, it is a program that is set up to waive one or more Medicaid rules to be able to extend eligibility or services for that individual. So most commonly, it waives the rule for income. And in our case, it pretty much says that Dakota is disabled and to waive the parent's income or the household income and look just at Dakota's income, which is zero. So that is how he is eligible for Medicaid because this waiver program waives the household income for our situation. But I do want to share, at least for our instances, it does require us to carry insurance on Dakota through our employer. So since we both are provided with insurance, we are required to carry that insurance on Dakota, and that's his primary insurance, and then his Medicaid picks up anything after that. So our primary insurance through work pays most of Dakota's bills until we meet our deductible, and pretty much Medicaid covers that deductible, and then our insurance covers the rest of it. Besides things like equipment, a lot of our insurance doesn't cover. Medicaid tends to cover most of that for us. And so I know that varies for every state what exactly they allow and what is eligible under a medical waiver. We're thankful in the state of Kentucky, Dakota was eligible for a medical waiver. This is your fair warning. Medical waivers are not a walk in the park. They are a job all in itself. And so I just want to say anybody who goes down the route of medical waivers, document and keep everything. Do not throw anything away. Keep everything, document everything because it'll be so important. So in order to get Dakota's medical waiver set up, the way we had to do it was we contacted an agency who can manage the case, which that information was provided to me from the social worker before we left the NICU. And then we had to have a nurse from the state come out and do an assessment and an evaluation and just get all of the documentation. I will say, fair warning, that assessment and evaluation is the hardest part of the whole entire medical waiver because you want to be as negative as possible. You want to tell everything they're not doing, everything they can't do, because the more negative, the more likely you are to get the waiver. It sounds ridiculous, I think, in my opinion, but you don't want to boast on the things that they're doing. You want to boast on the things that they're not doing. Um, So for us, Dakota is 100% dependent on us when it comes to bathing, feeding, grooming, um, transporting, 100% dependent. And so sometimes it feels like a little bit of a gut punch when you have to do those assessments, but it's worth it. I'll take a gut punch to be able to get the additional resources that a medical waiver can provide. So once the assessment slash evaluation is completed, then they will send all of that information off to the state. The state will review it and either decide to approve or deny the medical waiver. Thankfully, we've never had any issues with it being denied, but I do know that there are other families who have. And if that does happen, then you can appeal it and try to apply again. Um, I also recommend getting in touch with case management company and talking to them about maybe why it was denied. They should be able to see that information in the system and just figuring out, you know, what you need to do next. But I do know it is possible to appeal it and get it approved. It just depends on state. Every state is different. And sometimes you just have to push a little bit harder. But those dates are very important to document. You want to literally document everything when it comes to medical waiver. 
So when your initial assessment started, that is when you have to redo your assessment every single year. So it's important to remember those dates of when your assessment becomes due. So that way, if nobody reaches out to you, you can reach out to somebody else. Just documenting everything is so important just to have. Um, So every year you will do another assessment and evaluation. At least that is how the state of Kentucky is. I don't know about other states, but the state of Kentucky, every single year you have to do a new assessment slash evaluation for your medical waiver. So that is where it kind of confused me at the beginning is you have to apply for a medical waiver. You have to set up with a case management company who will help you manage the waiver and then you also have to apply for your Medicaid benefits. So that's why I'd say it's important to document those dates because if something happens, for example, like us, we switched case management companies because the company we were previously with dropped Dakota's waiver three times in a matter of four years because they were not doing their part. And thankfully, the state of Kentucky could see that I was doing my part. I was getting in touch and doing what I was supposed to do. So it was on the company and we were able to easily reset up. But it's so important to stay on top of your management company. And every time they dropped our waiver, which means the state of Kentucky stopped paying for our benefits because the company who was managing Dakota's waiver was not inputting the information that they needed to, I was on top of it within a week of them dropping it and we got it all reestablished. But that's why I say it's so important to document it and remember those dates because for that example, Dakota, when we originally set up for his waiver and his Medicaid, both were due in the month of August. Now his waiver does a research in the month of April and his Medicaid gets researched in the month of August. So those are just important dates to know and to have. And I just put a reminder on my phone that says, hey, this is coming up. Make sure that it's done by the state. And for his research, I try to make sure it's done by the end of March, but I can't go past, I think it's the first or second week in April that it has to be done by. And I just document that information so that way we don't have any issues because when someone drops the ball on your medical waiver, it can really suck to try and get it back. And just making sure you're staying on top of it. Some of the additional resources you receive by having the medical waiver is that you do get Medicaid services. And for us in the state of Kentucky, what's really nice about that is that it automatically makes us eligible to get WIC supplies. I did not know that for the first whole entire year of Dakota's life. Would have been nice to know, but that's how for four years from age two to five, we were able to get Dakota's formula. Also in the state of Kentucky, they have a prescribed pediatric extended care facility, which is a day treatment program that provides skilled nursing care to children between the ages of six weeks to 20 years old. And so because we had Dakota's medical waiver, which qualified him for his Medicaid, they covered those services. And that is where Dakota went to daycare. And it was extremely nice knowing that nurses were caring for him. We absolutely loved the facility that he went to. Unfortunately, he doesn't go there anymore because I stay home and he is in school now. But it was just nice having that additional resource so close to home and being able to utilize their services. What was also really nice is because of Dakota's Medicaid benefits as well as his disabilities, 
he was eligible for first steps to receive therapy but what made it even nicer is that they went to his daycare facility to provide those therapy services for him which was more of a benefit to me because I was working still 30 hours a week to make sure he gets those services so they would go to his daycare and provide his therapy services and I would meet them at the daycare so one other thing about Dakota's medical waiver was even though we needed that medical waiver to help provide him with everything he needed and all of the resources they did have some requirements and they still have some requirements we have to use respite care and respite is just a short-term relief for the caregiver most of the time it's a few hours a day that somebody else might come into the home and provide care for that child so that the caregiver can get a break and we are required to use it so for us we just use the minimum of two hours every other month and there might be a time that we might use more but right now we just use it so that we do not lose Dakota's medical waiver because we have to use so many hours within a one-year time frame um, but it's just one of those uneasy moments of having someone come in and sitting with your child we thankfully got very lucky and the lady who comes and does our respite she lives around the corner from us and my husband went to school with her son so it is more reassuring because we do know this person but there is that uneasy moment when you're trying to figure respite out and leaving your child so I will say it is there for people to be able to leave the house for a couple hours get a break do what they need to do for themselves but you are not required to leave you can set up baby monitors in your whole entire house or camera and record what happens as I recommend doing but it's as simple as going in the other room and taking a nap or going and doing the laundry or cleaning your house. It's just there as an additional benefit to help families because it is an awareness that taking care of a special needs child can be very stressful. So trying to make sure that their caregivers are getting necessary breaks. I am sure that there is so much more that the medical waiver covers that I didn't, but having that information from that social worker just helped me be aware of how I could provide support to Dakota because that waiver does cover so much stuff. It makes us eligible for so many options because of Medicaid. Now, it doesn't allow us to be able to access all government assistance, but it does get us things like the WIC and the Medicaid health benefits which I will take because that's how we've been able to get Dakota's stander, his gait trainer, his wheelchair, all of his equipment has been funded through his medical waiver Medicaid eligibility. She also gave us information on home care companies, but at the time we actually didn't need them, but I did save it for later. Um, so that way we were able to get set up when Dakota did end up get his feeding tube and his oxygen. I had contact information. But I will say for our hospital, they contacted them and set all of that up for me, but I still have the information in case I needed it. So even though I didn't need that information in the moment, it was nice to have and fall back on in the future. And anybody who does need to handle medical equipment, being aware of all of the medical supply companies in your area is extremely beneficial. 
So even though you might not need it in the moment, I would still include it in your binder that you have, which is where all of the information that that social worker gave me, that's where I put it in our binder and made notes in the notebook. So that way we could get it all set up because that was all I did for the whole month of August when we got home from the hospital. I'm so thankful I was able to be off for a solid three months to be home with Dakota. But during that month, it was getting Dakota signed up for daycare, getting his waiver set up, getting his Medicaid set up, and also setting up with a pediatrician, which actually, speaking of pediatrician, this is the last thing I want to share for this episode because it's information I wish I would have had when we left the NICU, but I didn't find it out until Dakota was about a year old. So when we left the NICU, we just set Dakota up with a standard pediatrician in our area. But every time Dakota was sick, they sent us to our local children's hospital, which is where we saw so many departments. So I definitely recommend for anybody who has a very complex child, asking your local hospital if they have a pediatrician within the hospital. So for our hospital, it's called Complex Care, and they only deal with complex children. That is now where Dakota goes to the pediatrician, but I would have loved to have that information the moment we left the NICU because it would have been very helpful just to have that set up from birth, even though we did see a different clinic which followed up from the NICU, it still would have been nice just to have his pediatrician because we actually did switch right around Dakota's one year. We switched pediatricians to complex care through our local children's, which has been a blessing. We love it. It has made my life so much easier. So I definitely recommend if you have a complex kiddo, who sees multiple departments within one hospital asking about a pediatrician through that hospital, complex care kind of pediatrician, just because it is nice to have Dakota's pediatrician and all of his doctors through the same entire company. At least I find it very beneficial and very helpful. With that being said, I think I'm going to stop here for this week and Next week, I'm going to start sharing more about Dakota's daycare and how we managed it as well as therapies he received at daycare and at home. So I look forward to sharing that with you and thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you all so much for the support and I look forward to chatting with you next time on the Raising Dakota podcast.